When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. U.S. officials now saying the military just shot down yet another high-altitude object. Mysterious threats in the sky. A stream of balloons and other objects. At least one coming from China flying over the U.S. homeland. Okay, I'm good one. You're... Raising fears of an international showdown. If China threatens our sovereignty, we will act to protect our country. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is the president's man tasked with keeping the country safe. His hands already full with a crisis on the ground. A record rise of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. Mayorkas under fire for his handling of the surge. We are here because our immigration system is broken. And leaders of the House Republican majority want him out. I am calling on the secretary to resign. With his job possibly on the line, we find out what he's doing to keep the country safe from dual threats. We have two things in common. Do I get a hint? I find cooking really hard. I find it really stressful. Do you feel your life is in danger? And the love of my mother is what brought me here. What was the worst investment? Oh, there's a long list of really bad ones. Alejandro Mayorkas, welcome. Mr. Secretary, thank you for doing this. Great to talk with you again. Likewise, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're going to start in a slightly different area than I expected to. Uh, We'll get to the border in a few minutes, but let's start with balloons and all of these objects that the U.S. has been shooting down over North America the last couple of weeks, do you regard them as a threat to homeland security? Well, Chris, uh, let's, let's separate it. The first one, of course, was uh, sent by China uh, to surveil the United States and invaded our sovereignty. And, of course, uh, the Department of Defense took action upon the president's instructions. The next three... Uh, We were unclear exactly what they were. Uh, We assessed that they did not pose a physical danger to the homeland. However, they did pose a potential threat to civil aviation, and we are going to protect the American people. And so, once again, the Department of Defense took action upon the president's direction. House Republicans have sent you a series of questions for DHS's uh, Office of Intelligence and Analysis. How much do you know? Uh, Are these the other three, not the Chinese balloon, but the other three? Do we have any idea whether they were sent by foreign actors, foreign countries, whether it's just some of the traffic that's always above the U.S., or it's even been suggested they're extraterrestrial? 
Well, um, let, let's put aside that. Let's put aside that last one. Um, well, but the just, just for the sake of argument, why? Well, uh, uh, because uh, I don't think our Office of Intelligence and Analysis is going to be able to make that a determination. But I think what the assessment is going to be based on is what we are able to recover uh, and and analyze. Uh, but there is a lot of traffic, if you will, um, in in the skies. And what the president has done now is task the National Security Council to bring together the interagency to really understand what we know about what is happening uh, in the air, uh, to understand all of our capabilities, and really to develop protocols uh, to both respond to and prevent these types of incidents from occurring. And DHS is part of that. We sure are. I mean... <laughs> I ask this question knowing that it may be a little bit foolish. Do you have a gut feeling? Do you, in other words, do you tend to think that these are foreign actors that have sent these vehicles, or it's just that because we've opened the filter, as they say, and we're looking more for objects that are over the homeland, we're discovering that there's always a lot of traffic over the homeland? So I, I don't have a particular gut reaction to this. Uh, we're going to review our analysis and make a very educated and informed uh, decision. But there are two things. Number one, there is a lot of traffic there. And number two, our capabilities are increasing to identify it. And I think that's a very important thing to keep in mind. All right, let's move to ground level. Three, three House committees are currently investigating the border as a possible prelude to impeaching you as Secretary of Homeland Security. Here is House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Take a look. I am calling on the secretary to resign. He cannot and must not remain in that position. If Secretary Mayorkas does not resign, House Republicans will investigate every order, every action, and every failure will determine whether we can begin impeachment inquiry. If House Republicans go ahead, you could be the first cabinet secretary to be impeached since 1876. I guess my response is twofold. Uh, number one, I'm not going to resign. There's a tremendous amount of work to do, and we are doing it, and I'm incredibly proud to do it alongside and in, in support of 260,000 extraordinary personnel in the Department of Homeland Security, number one. Number two, I call upon Congress as the president has done, as this nation has done, to actually fix an immigration system that has been broken for decades. How seriously do you take these calls for your impeachment? Oh, I take them, I take them seriously. It is, um, it is the leadership uh, of the House uh, that provided those remarks. Uh, I don't uh, dismiss it by, by any measure. But what I do is I focus on my work. What, what do you think is the basis for their calling for your impeachment? Do you think you've done anything wrong? No, I don't. I think it is a, um, a disagreement over policy, and I think it is used for political purposes uh, to uh, continue a, a negative dialogue about a migration challenge that is not unique to the United States, to continue that dialogue, to uplift it for political reasons. So, Mr. Secretary, have you come to a conclusion if these House committees either request you or subpoena you 
as part of either the investigation or an impeachment proceeding, have you decided whether or not you will appear before those committees? I intend to appear uh, when Congress calls me to do so. Either for investigation or for impeachment? Uh, I don't have any intention of uh, being uncooperative. I have complete confidence in the integrity of our decision-making, understanding the gravity of the challenge that is before us. Chris, we're not only operating within a broken immigration system, and that, by the way, is a fact about which everyone agrees, but we are also addressing a challenge that is not unique to the United States. The level of migration that has gripped our hemisphere is extraordinary. There are 2.5 million Venezuelans in Colombia. The movement of people around the hemisphere is extraordinary. Everyone understands the challenge. Everyone agrees that a solution is needed, a legislative one. And so let's get it done. House Republicans say that you have repeatedly lied to Congress when you have said this. Take a look. The border is closed. The border is secure. The border is secure. The border, um, we are working to make the border more secure. Secretary Mayorkas, do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security. Your critics point out, in 2020, Donald Trump's final year in office, U.S. border authorities encountered migrants 458,000 times at the border. But under Joe Biden in 2022, there were 2.3 million encounters. Mr. Secretary, that's an increase of 419 percent. That's more than quadrupled. How can you say the border is secure? A, a couple points. What was the volume of encounters in 2019 uh, during the Trump administration? It wasn't 400,000. It wasn't 800,000. It wasn't a million. It was many more. What was it in 2020 uh, that impacted uh, the flow of migrants? What, what caused the pent-up demand to leave a country uh, that is suffering extreme poverty, extreme violence, authoritarian regime? What was the repressive factor in 2020? The pandemic. Right now, the United States has millions of jobs opening due to the economic success of this administration. We have progressed in conquering the pandemic far more than the countries to the south of Mexico. And that makes the United States an appealing place of destination for people fleeing persecution or otherwise in desperate need of a better life. But when you say it's, what does secure mean to you? It certainly doesn't mean that people aren't able to get across the border illegally. Of, of course not. That is, that, by that measure, the border has never been secure, right? Um, since the Department of Homeland Security was created, individuals have evaded. So, so by what measure is it secure now, sir? So there, there is not a common definition uh, of that. If one looks at the statutory definition, the literal interpretation of the statutory language, if one person successfully evades law enforcement uh, at the border, uh, then we have breached the security of the border. So what we try to do, what's your, what defini our goal, what's your definition? What our goal is to achieve operational control of the border, to do everything that we can to support our personnel with the resources, the technology, 
the policies that um, really advance the security of the border and do not come at the cost of the values of our country. And I say that, I say that because in the prior administration, pro policies were promulgated, were passed, that did not hew to the values that we hold dear. I, I, that's a point well taken. But on the question of security, on the question of people's ability to come across the border illegally and get into this country, we have all seen the scenes of, of floods of people walking across uh, shallow points in the Rio Grande. We've all seen the pictures of encampments in downtowns in El Paso, uh, places in Arizona. We've all seen the pictures of the flood of migrants coming to New York. You've got Mayor Adams, a Democratic mayor of New York City, saying he's overwhelmed by migrants. By those standards, it is not a secure border. Chris, I would say that by those standards, what powerful evidence of the fact that our immigration system is broken. The vast majority of those individuals have not sought to evade law enforcement, but have actually surrendered themselves to law enforcement and made a claim for relief under our laws. The challenge, the challenge is that between that time of encounter and the time of an ultimate immigration judge's evaluation of their claim for asylum is four plus years. That is one of the reasons why we so desperately need our immigration system to be fixed. Of course, there's a considerable disagreement whether these are legitimate asylum seekers or just simply people who want to cross the border because they think they'll have a better life. Uh, uh, of, of course. And so they make their claims, and the initial threshold for those claims under the law uh, is lower than the ultimate asylum right. standard. But in the meantime, they were in this country for four years. Correct. But that, that, is a, that is a problem with our system uh, and not an issue of how we enforce the security of our borders. The assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Critics say that when he took office, President Biden, setting the policy, you enforcing the, the policy, sent a clear message to prospective migrants. He ended enrollments in the program that asylum seekers had to remain in Mexico. He wanted to stop using Title 42 public health protections to expel migrants, and he halted construction of the border wall. Here is the chief patrol agent, your employee, for the Tucson sector. Take a look. In the Tucson sector, um, interviewing people post-arrest, what, what became the most common response was that they believed that when the administration changed, that the law changed and policy changed and that th there was an open border. Migrants believe there's an open border. Chris, have you heard some of our um, political leaders speak about the border and communicate that the border is open? I don't think the more than 1.5 million people who have been removed or expelled 
uh, from the border would consider the border open, but political leaders um, communicate that the border is open. That is music to the smugglers' ears, and the smugglers themselves so, wait, wait, spread... Wait, wait, you're going to blame this all on Republican oh, absolutely critics? Not. Absolutely not. I mean, you're not, not going to say that, that the administration and the Chris, policies on Remain in Mexico or Title 42 or stopping construction of the wall, that that had no impact? Chris, uh, that's not what I said. I'm just, I'm just citing for you a few things, and please allow me. Number one, uh, they, they use that rhetoric. Number two, we're dealing with smuggling organizations that are far more sophisticated than, the, than they were when I prosecuted them for 12 years as an assistant United States attorney and as the United States attorney. They, they spread disinformation, they spread misinformation, uh, and the like. The irony is that right now the president and you are under fire from the left, as well as from the right, but from the left for cracking down recently on migration across the border. Last month, the administration announced a new parole program to allow in 30,000 migrants from four countries, but it expedited removal of thousands more from those four countries. And encounters with migrants from those countries suddenly dropped 95%. Question, is this a re-election conversion by the president to try to look tougher on what is becoming a thorny political issue for him? No. It's sound policy uh, that is proving effective. On January 5th, we responded to a dramatic change in the demographics of the people who are arriving at the border. Historically, it was predominantly from Mexico and the Central American countries of Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. Um, of late, we have seen a tremendous rise in the number of Venezuelans, Nicaraguans, and Cubans. That poses a significant challenge because of the absence of diplomatic relations with those three countries, and we can't remove them. So on January 5th, we responded to that with, these, with this parole program that says, apply in advance to the United States. We will cut out the smuggler if you qualify after being fully screened. If you have a sponsor here in the United States, um, then you, we, you can be brought to the United States in a safe, lawful, and orderly manner. If you don't, avail yourself of this opportunity. If you come in between the ports of entry, you will be expelled. And the success of it is quite um, powerfully demonstrated thus far. Let's talk a little bit about you because your life story is wrapped up in this whole question of migration. Your family left Cuba when you were a baby, I think you were one year old. Yes. And your mother, Anita, was already a refugee because she had fled the Nazis from Romania to go to Cuba and then fled Cuba to go to the United States with you and your, and your family uh, when Castro took over. How does all of that history shape your view of people crossing borders to improve their lives and escape violence? You know, Chris, um, uh, my parents um, instilled in me a profound understanding of what it means to be displaced from one's home, uh, what it means to need to leave one's home uh, to have a better life. Uh, President Biden speaks very powerfully about the fact that, you know, a family doesn't gather around 
the dinner table one evening and say, you know what, uh, I've got a great idea. Let's, let's take off. Let's traverse uh, multiple countries and go to a, a country we've never been to before and don't speak the language. My parents uh, instilled in me uh, the profound meaning of displacement, the yearning uh, to give one's children a better life uh, than what uh, the life one uh, has had, um, the fragility of life. And so I understand deeply the plight uh, of individuals who leave their homes, whether they flee persecution or uh, aspire to a better life. Uh, we in the United States have tremendous pride uh, in our country as a country, a place of refuge. We are a nation of immigrants. We are also a nation of laws. Those laws provide for humanitarian relief for those who qualify. They also provide that individuals who do not qualify will be removed. That's how, that's how we do our work in the Department of Homeland Security. As soon as I mentioned your story, you grew emotional. Why? You know, um, you know Chris, uh, my parents were extraordinary people in different ways. Uh, my father was um, very straight, very direct, not undiplomatically so most of the time, but you, you, knew, you knew where you stood with my father. Um, uh, and he was also, this is who I am. Um, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. If you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't. My mother, given um, the tragedy uh, that she lived through, her father lost everybody except a sister uh, in the Holocaust. She understood that every day is a new life. Um, the world did not have the privilege of recognizing the beauty of my parents. And through the work I do, I hope I can communicate that in some way. I understand it's a nation of laws. You're there to enforce the laws. But is, on a personal level, is it hard for you to, be, to oversee the system that sends hundreds of thousands of people year after year who are yearning for the same thing your parents were yearning for, better lives, escape from violence, to send them back to face their fate in, those, in the countries they were fleeing? Well, um, uh, I have a profound uh, respect for the law. I grew up in my nearly 22 years of public service as a federal prosecutor. Uh, I believe in the law. I also understand sometimes the law needs to be changed uh, if it does not uh, either meet our highest ideals or actually proves to be functional in the service of those ideals. Um, uh, yes, the work is hard. Uh, yes, uh, I have seen um, trauma. In, in my work. Um, I adhere to the law. That's my duty. And I do so with tremendous pride 
especially because of the people with whom I do it. For all the focus on the border, your department, and I know that something you like to emphasize, has lots of other responsibilities. Uh, is the threat from domestic extremism growing? And how seriously do you take the rash of recent attacks by domestic extremists on our electrical grid? So, so Chris, the, um, the rise of um, extremism um, is indeed advancing. It is indeed growing. Uh, it is one of our primary areas of focus. We consider it one of the gravest terrorism-related threats to the homeland. And the number of mass shootings uh, in this country is extraordinary, uh, driven by ideologies of hate, uh, anti-government sentiments, uh, false narratives, personal grievances, um, lone actors, small groups. We're extremely uh, uh, concerned about it, extremely focused upon it, and we have taken a tremendous amount of action over the last two years to address it. We, we respond to the dynamism of the threat landscape. The threats to the electrical grid have varied uh, in nature. A number of them are, are still um, under review. Um, and we work very closely uh, with the private sector to safeguard and strengthen the security of critical infrastructure in this country. Finally, you're taking a lot of heat. Personal vilification, the possibility of impeachment. Have you... And a lot of this is simply because you are administering the policies of the president that you work for. Have you given any thought to stepping down and allowing somebody else to have to deal with all the incoming? No. And um, why, why not, I suppose I should Chris, add. Chris, let me, let me, let me share um, something with you. First of all, uh, resolve is a very important human quality. What, what worries me the most uh, is my family. Um, this is not happening in a laboratory. Uh, these are our lives. Um, and I have a family, and I worry about them. I didn't join the government on September 25, 1989, as an assistant United States attorney for the Central District of California to embark upon a career of receiving the keys to a city, cutting ribbons, breaking champagne bottles over the hulls of boats. That's not what I embarked upon doing. I embarked upon service to a country that has given so much to my family. It's really hard work. I've worked really hard throughout my nearly 22 years in public service, and I will continue to work hard, and I am incredibly proud to do so. And the slings and arrows of your critics on Capitol Hill? Not going to force you out. Uh, they will not uh, force me out. Mr. Secretary, thank you. Thank you, Chris, for the opportunity. Thanks for doing this. After President Obama normalized relations with Cuba, Mayorkas returned to his homeland in 2015 as the highest-ranking Cuban-American in the administration. He said he went there with a nervous heart. His intention was always to return with his father, who had passed away three years earlier. Thank you for watching. Catch us every Sunday night on CNN and keep streaming anytime you want right here on HBO Max to find out who's talking next.
When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.